Whoever you are and wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome in this place. You are welcome at God's table. Those words are printed in our bulletin. And if the new guy doesn't forget to say them, we hear them every Sunday before we come to communion. When the search committee came to visit, they let me know that those words are really important to this congregation. And even though I've only been here seven weeks, I can already tell that they resonate deeply with our identity as a congregation. Whoever you are and wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome here. You are welcome at God's table. We know those words. We love those words. But do we believe those words? Do we believe them? Are they a statement of our faith? Do we really believe that anyone and everyone is welcome here and at God's table? Or is it a, a catchy slogan? More a statement of the church we want to be? Or perhaps even worse, the church that we pretend to be? It isn't easy being a church that welcomes everyone. Because people are messy. People can be difficult. People can be disruptive. People can be unpleasant. People can be needy walking into a community and over and over again demanding more of that community than that community has to give. People can be off-putting, pushing people away by how they look or how they talk or how they smell. People can be controversial, making others uncomfortable because of their recent arrest or their recent divorce or their recent bankruptcy. And some people can be downright dangerous, threatening others verbally or perhaps even physically. We want to be a church that welcomes all people, but we will not and cannot be a church where Sexual predators wander through the hallways. But if we believe those words, if those words express who we really are as a parish, then we have to make space. We have to find a way to welcome absolutely everyone, absolutely anyone right here in our midst and up there at God's table. The Apostle James who wrote the letter from which our second reading is taken, James knew that that kind of church wasn't going to be easy. My brothers and sisters, he asked, do you with your acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? In other words, is it really possible for you to show favoritism and believe in Jesus? Now, James was writing to the early Christian community, of course, but he raises the kind of issues that seem particularly relevant to a 21st century Episcopal church like our own when he says things like, if a person with gold rings and fine clothes walks into your assembly and another person, a poor person in dirty rags, walks in, and you pay attention to the one in fine clothes saying, sit here in this place of honor. But to the one who's poor, you say, eh, 
Why don't you sit on the floor at my feet? When you do that, James writes, are you not becoming judges with evil thoughts in your hearts? We're not exactly the branch of the, the, branch of the Jesus movement that is known for being a church for poor people, are we? What rector wouldn't rather have a congregation full of generous, easygoing people than critical, complaining holdouts? And, and what vestry wouldn't rather see an enthusiastic, eager volunteer walking through the door rather than just another pew potato? Someone who comes and does nothing but show up, right? Did you notice that the argument James is making in his writing is not practical but theological? James writes, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? James is upset with favoritism not because of its lack of hospitality but because favoritism is incongruous with the gospel. The issue for James isn't our behavior, but God's behavior. Because who is God? God is the one who chooses the poor, who sides with the marginalized, who loves the least among us. That's who God is. And the gospel of Jesus Christ shows us that God embraces those whom the world would rather brush aside. Jesus himself shows us that God's love belongs as much with the outcast as it does with the one at the center of the religious community. And if we believe that, which is to say, if we believe in Jesus, then we must find a way to make space here among us for absolutely everyone and anyone, not because it's the nice thing to do, but because that's who God is and that's what God does. But to be a church like that, to be a community like that where all people are welcome, we need to first acknowledge that it's a lot easier to reach out to people who look like us and talk like us and dress and think like us. That's a lot easier. But those aren't the people to whom God is opening God's arms wide. It's a lot easier to be a church when the pews are filled with people who have money to share and problems they'd rather hold on to themselves. But that's not a church that images God's reign for the world around us. Jesus himself, when he said to the Syrophoenician woman, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs, Jesus shows an instinctive preference for his own people but the woman's reply reminded him that when it comes to God's love, there is always enough, even for the uninvited guest, to get a full share. When will we learn that lesson for ourselves? The answer for us isn't to try to be more welcoming, to try to be more friendly. The answer is to try to develop a deeper relationship with the one who shows us that God's love has no limit, with Jesus, our teacher. 
for the most part, as a congregation, we're good at making space for someone else to scoot over a little bit to let that curious individual join our ranks. We're a friendly church, as friendly on the surface as any other church in Fayetteville. We take pride in our welcome. But if the only thing holding our doors open is our intention of being friendly and welcoming, one day that welcome will run out and our hospitality will reach its breaking point because there will always be someone who is too difficult, too hostile, or too painful for us to embrace on our own. It is not we who welcome the stranger. It is God, God's self, who welcomes her into this place. If we want to be a church like that, a church where all people, all of God's people are invited to dwell, that is where we must start, with our own welcome, our own radical welcome that God has given us. We are not here in this place. We are not invited to that table because of who we are or what we bring, but because we, too, are recipients of God's unconditional love. To be the church that shows the world who Jesus is, we must start there with our own radical welcome to this place so that then we might share that welcome with others. Whoever you are, you belong in this place. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, you are welcome at God's table, but you are not welcome to come and partake in that sacred meal unless you're willing to share it with whoever else might be kneeling beside you. The invitation is universal. The price of admission is free, but the cost of participating is enormous. In order to share the body and blood of Christ, you must recognize that you are drawn to that table, not because of who you are or anything you've done, but because God loves you anyway. And in order to share that meal, you've got to recognize that everybody else at that table sharing that same body and blood is there because he or she has received the very same invitation. How humbling, how equalizing, how threatening, how glorious. You cannot believe in the power of unconditional love and then deny that love to someone else. It just doesn't work. You can't be a recipient of God's grace, God's unmerited favor, and hold on to that grace, refusing to let it flow to the next person. At a conference this week, the All Faith Summit put on by Hark, I heard a speaker say, you only love God as much as the person you love the least. That's true. But if we're finding it hard to love that person the way that God loves her or him, we might begin by remembering how it is that we are loved, how it is that God loves us without limits. For we, too, are welcome at God's table. And it is God's welcome that makes space in our hearts for everyone else. Thanks be to God. Amen.